Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Ooh, I'm kind of hot. Um, okay, we're already recording, so hands ready. Jazz fingers. Jazz hands. Jazz. Spirit fingers. Spirit fingers. Spirit, spirit fingers. One, two, three. Hey there. Welcome back to another episode of She Builds Podcast, where we typically share the untold stories of historical women in the building and construction industry. I'm Lizzie Rahr, finally living in smoke-free air in San Francisco. I'm Norjeri Rivas, surviving hurricane season in Houston, Texas. And I'm Jessica Rogers, mourning the loss of RBG from Washington, D.C. Yeah, we're going to be mourning Ruth Bader Ginsburg for a long time. For sure. If it weren't for women like her who are fighting that fight for women and equal rights in general, we wouldn't be here making this podcast. Right. Thank you, Ruth. Yeah. Uh, tough time. But anyway, we are here. Uh, guys, we've made it to episode 10. Can you believe it? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you know how we both now feel. Now you know how yeah. we feel. Whether you believe it or not, I think we should celebrate. We thought we would have sort of like a wrap up or a reflection episode, if you will, of what we have learned throughout this journey and to answer some questions from our audience. Yes. So I want to start us off with something I've been wondering for a while. Do you remember your first thoughts when we first discussed this project? What were you most excited about? Nordri, who did you propose this idea first, to me or to Lizzie? I think it was me. I think I told both of you around the same time. Okay. Well, the idea of podcasting was always fun to me. When I worked as a drafter, I basically was working on construction documents and listening to podcasts um, kept me entertained. And I'll admit that they're mostly non-architecture podcasts, but I was always drawn to storytelling uh, podcasts. And I think when you presented the idea, 
I was most excited to tell the stories of people that we don't get to celebrate enough. And I think about all the crap that they teach us in school, but stories that as women and people of color is hard for us to relate to. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about that. While we did learn a lot in architecture school, I agree there are some major gaps in our education. It was really male oriented and Eurocentric. And it was difficult for me to relate a lot to that because I didn't see myself represented in those stories. And maybe when I was 18 or 21, honestly, like a few months ago, me even, I wasn't actively thinking about it or challenging that. But I realized now that I didn't see myself in anything that I learned. I honestly started realizing that through the making of this podcast. Yeah, for me, I think I was luckier than most. Like I mentioned in episode two, I went to an art school in Miami. There, I was introduced to architecture while in high school. And although I didn't see many Black female architects, I came across a few, I mean, very few, women architects. But I guess I am most grateful for the city where I'm from, because Miami is very diverse. Or at the very least, my high school was very diverse. Knowing this, I already knew that going to school outside of my bubble was going to be a challenge. And while I was at Syracuse, I purposefully joined groups so that I could find a group that looked like me. That would make me feel perhaps more comfortable, maybe. One group in particular is what is now the NOMA student chapter at Syracuse. And if it wasn't for that group, Syracuse wouldn't have lecturers of color. Through that group, I learned about Maxwell Bond and Philip Freeland and briefly about Norma Scalari. But again, this student group had to seek out this information. I was never taught those names in a classroom. And attending NOMA conferences, it reminded me that I belonged in this profession and that there are others that looked like me. My hope is that through these stories that we tell, that people and particular women of all colors will find some comfort in knowing that these women overcame adversity and so can they. Yeah. Jessica, has that excitement of telling those stories changed for you? Did you learn something else excites you more now? Maybe being our social media director? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. so like you said, I love learning about these women. But the most unexpected joy I've encountered is being the, in quotation marks, social media director. I'm the one behind everything social media related. So it's been exciting to kind of like figure that part out. And for the people that follow us, you don't know how much joy it has been to see every like, comment, retweet and share. And I will say that I'm a little bit salty that the podcast followers have surpassed my personal social media followers. But I guess it reassures me that I'm doing a better job at promoting the show than myself, even though I'm just winging it. Well, now you know how to better promote yourself. Yeah, I guess. I didn't know you wanted to be an influencer, Jessica. Yeah, I didn't know this about you. (laughs) I mean, I didn't either, but I guess I secretly do deep down inside. Oh, okay. (laughs) What about you, Lizzie? What were your initial thoughts and where are they now? So I think initially I was really intrigued to just learn more and research. I love history and going down rabbit holes, learning random information. That's totally my thing. So learning about and researching the women was the biggest draw for me. I think being a co-host was scary to me. I'm more self-conscious about speaking and being 
on air, so to speak, mostly because it's potentially strangers listening. Um, I'm super extroverted, but I think I'm more so within my group, right? Like people I know. So, um, and I think I was also nervous about how to make it happen and make it happen well. Or was it just going to be like our parents and close friends listening type of thing? So at the beginning, I just liked the idea of spending more time with both of you and learning. But I was probably the more hesitant one just with how well it would turn out or setting my expectations kind of low. I left all the big dreaming to you guys. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, those feelings have totally changed now. I'm blown away by the response we've gotten. And I'm really happy with how our product has turned out and the work we've put into it. And it's not so bad listening to my voice every week. I'm definitely a person who's unsure at the start. And I like to research and plan to, in order to like feel comfortable. And so I think that was similar for this project as well. Yeah, I can relate to that. Starting anything new is scary, especially something that's completely foreign, right? And the research was the most exciting part for me, too, but it was also the most scary. I was afraid of how much research was going to be enough or if I could find reliable resources. Would I know what that was or would I just get lost in Internet hocus pocus? I don't know. (laughs) But I think this whole process has been trial and error, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear that you're feeling more sure about the podcast now and that you like the sound of your voice every week. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely weird to hear your voice, but I guess you get used to it or you just like learn to live with it because it is your voice. Like, what are you going to do? Get a voice <laughs> change. But the research, I think I knew that we could do it. I just... I can understand what you're saying, Nanjini, but at some point you're going to have to like cut the research because we have to record at one point. Right. It's hard. It's hard. But I don't know. I think for me, the sound quality was something that was important to us. So we have to give major props to JW, our tech producer, because he's the one that like gives us advice on like what we should do to be better and and I think between our all of the things that we mentioned, our research and our tenacity and this uh, sound quality of the product that we've produced, I just think through the popularity of the show, we're starting to realize that this podcast can be bigger than us. And that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So now at episode 10, it's interesting to think of how the podcast started, but Do you guys think about how we started as friends? Like we've known each other for 12 years, actually. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, so like you want to take it like way, way back as to like how we met? Yeah, I mean, I like thinking about how many years we've known each other and all the stories, trips, late nights, that kind of thing. That would be fun to talk about, but I don't really remember anything about us meeting We just became friends through experiences, architecture school, and like the sleepless nights of bonding. (laughs) I don't remember specifics. Nergini doesn't remember that she and I were friends for like at least a year before she thought we were. That's not, well, that's half true. I sort of remember now. You've reminded me. only after I told you and you were like, oh, right. Well, that's why we're friends because you remind me of things. This is true. All right. Well, okay. Let's let's remind Nergity and we can share with the audience. 
Because okay. I think it started with me. Just because, like I said, Jessica's at the center of everything. That's what she's trying yeah. to say. Yes, <laughs> I am the center. But also, I just, I was bored. I would get bored in class. So I would make friends. And between the both of you, I think I met Nergity first. Because during freshman orientation, I met you, I think through, funny enough, my current roommate, Gabriela, a fellow Puerto Rican who introduced me to you, Nergity. Yeah, maybe. That doesn't sound untrue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if not at freshman orientation, definitely during my like studio hours, make friends chat because we might have met during orientation, but we had different studios. So when I would get bored or needed a break from my studio project, I would go and visit all of the friends that I made during orientation. And we would talk about our studio projects, give advice to one another. You name it. And honestly, I think those were some of my favorite moments in studio was the like camaraderie and collaborative aspect of it all, you know. And I think that's what made it sad to hear that some of the women that we talked about probably didn't have the same studio culture experience as us. Like, for example, Norma in episode two, she commuted and worked at home. So like, how is she going to become BFFs taking the train back and forth? Not to add but I doubt that her studio mates were friendly and or welcoming. And speaking of studio mates. OK, so now with Lizzie, it's easier for me to remember how we met and how we became friends. Yeah, we had the same studio freshman year for semester. We only sat three desks apart. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I think we became closer during. Was it the building analysis project or. Maybe the painting project. Honestly, I'm not sure of the details, but I just remember a lot of long nights and sharing ideas of like how to analyze those projects. And I know by mid semester, the two of us and a couple others were really close and we were close enough to be roommates the next year. So something clicked. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and I think I met Nergity kind of through you, Jessica, similar to what you were saying about like the ghost see people in chat because second semester we were in different studios and you were in a studio with Nergity. So I would come and visit you and another friend. And that's how I met Nergity, even though she doesn't remember. But we would watch TV (laughs) together for like studio snack break, you know, during that semester. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So eventually we all came together and our friend group got bigger because we would introduce everyone to each other. And as semesters change, we eventually would have shared studios with one another at some point. We've been roommates to one another in some shape or form. Yeah, and we just keep sharing experiences. We travel together. Lizzie married me. (laughs) Jessica DJed at the wedding. (laughs) And now we're making a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we do a pretty good job staying connected, even though our group of girls is like, all over the country, actually the world. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So going back to the podcast, Norjury, what did you learn about this process? Hmm. My favorite thing, other than learning about each of the ladies, has been learning about all the resources that exist to learn and discuss these women. People working on adding more women architects to Wikipedia, The International Archive of Women in Architecture, She's the Architect, is an Instagram page with beautiful images and quotes of women architects. Rebel Architect is an Italian group 
that are mapping out locations of women-owned architecture firms. How mm. cool is that? That's really that's cool. Pretty, yeah, that's pretty cool. Also, Un Día Una Arquitecta is a blog in Spanish where they showcase one woman architect a day. And what others? Design Voice and Madame Architect interview and highlighting women in the design and construction field working today. There's so many resources to draw from. It's amazing and inspiring to be part of that group now. <laughs> yeah. So the Pioneering Women of American Architecture website, that was a huge help for my research. And this website profiles 15 women pioneers in the field. And it was a tremendous resource that I would encourage everyone to check out. Yeah. And there's lots of books like the one I've relied on a lot, which was Women of Steel and Stone. Mm, yeah. yeah, there's just so many stories out there waiting for us. I also enjoyed how our first season became a season of firsts. Every lady was a first at something, which was really interesting tying them together this way. Yeah, and I think by episode three, we started to see the pattern, but it was purely coincidental. Mm hmm. Yeah. And there were many other themes that also kept popping up in a lot of episodes, like how much they all loved school, even though it was a struggle for a lot of them to be accepted there. And oftentimes even like a hostile environment. But I guess that kind of makes sense since they were breaking into such a male dominated profession and you'd have to have that drive in order to get through that. But it's still interesting to see those connections. Yeah, definitely. Something that really stood out to me was how a lot of them were resilient and passionate and they just powered through. I imagine them as heroines of their own comic books. I kind of <laughs> envision graphic novels about them. Don't you think so? The heroes of architecture. <laughs> <laughs> We better trademark that or start working on a book deal or something. Yes. It is something that we've talked about, though. If the podcast and our show notes can serve as a resource, maybe to like level up into a book, designers, architects, now podcasters, we are future authors. Yeah, let's yeah. get published. That would be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of books, the World's Fair was another one of those subjects that kept popping up between episodes, and it was an important event in the lives of a few of them and inspired them to start doing the work they did. Did you guys finish the book that I told you about the devil in the white city? Nope. <laughs> uh, no, we'll have to discuss it more once you both have finished it. Fine. Okay. Yeah. I will commit <laughs> to it. I will commit to it. But yeah, I mean, the fair was an architecturally significant event. So I can see how it would have inspired a lot of these women that we're talking about during that time period, right? Because right. it yeah. was such a major thing, both architecturally and I think in the country. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's start talking about a few of our episodes. Nerjiti, what episode that was not yours did you find the most interesting? That's a really hard question. Can I only choose one? Yes, only one. Oh, man. Okay. Hmm. I'm debating between Norma and Julia right now. But if I have to pick an episode, I pick episode eight, Beverly Lorraine Green and Georgia Louise Harris Brown, because their stories raised a lot of meaningful discussions between us. And 
open my eyes to the gender and racial disparities in our profession to this day. I'm still appalled by the number of licensed Black women architects in the U.S. I really hope in our lifetime that number skyrockets to like 5,000 <laughs> or more. Yeah, that episode was really heavy for me. Um, it required a lot of work, but it's the one that I'm most proud of. You should be. Yeah, it's really important for us to touch on those topics. It's not enough to just talk about women. We also need to talk about disparities within women. We can't overlook that underrepresented women have even more hurdles to overcome and that that's still an issue today. Yep. It also made me wonder what that number is for other minorities, for Hispanics like me or Asians. I want to learn what can I do to help those numbers go up? <laughs> those numbers, no, Judy, for um, Hispanics, they are even lower. Wow. Um, it, it's crazy. Well, and all the numbers that we're talking about are specifically for architects. What about other professions like engineering, construction management? They're probably even lower. Oh, for sure. Seriously. Actually, considering those, architecture is more progressive than construction and engineering. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> Jessica, which episode do you choose as the most interesting outside of your own? Since I had to answer that question, so do you. Oh, it's so hard. Um. I think Julia Morgan was very interesting to me. Her being the first ever to go to the Echo de Beaux-Arts, her work ethic was very inspirational. I mean, Hearst Castle, okay? Hearst mm -hmm. Castle. Seeing pictures of it is really cool and all the work that went into it. Lizzie, the next time I'm in California, you are taking me there, okay? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Arc Venture coming right up. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie, what about you? Answer the same question. I think that the Milka episode is still one of my favorites. I, I think I'm just still blown away by the fact that there's an entire archive of women architects work and we had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that just that still is blowing my mind. But I also loved her determination. She seemed really fearless to me. Like, yeah, I'll just bribe someone and escape my home country and I'll <laughs> just work there and then get this other degree and start this collection. Like, she just did so much. Her journey from Bulgaria to the States could be a movie. Right? Just that, oh, that part. OMG, yes. Well, now feels like a good time to answer some listener questions. Also, listeners. Thank you all so much for your questions, comments, carry to suggestions. Let's round robin this. I'll start. Are you going to talk about Latin women? Yep. Stay tuned. Season two. OK. Will you ever have guests and interviews on the show? So we don't currently have plans to change our format, but we're not against it. And we could see it potentially happening in the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When are you going to post more images on social media? Well, we're figuring out copyrights issues in order to do more of that. We can't afford to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please don't sue us. <laughs> okay, next. I wish the episodes were an hour long. I'm left wanting more information. Do you have plans for the future to make longer episodes? I mean, we love what we do and we are happy to hear that you guys are wanting more. 
Um, but I think as a team, we can agree that the 30 to 40 minutes makes the podcast an easy listen, which we like. Also, we imagine that the podcast is more as an introductory for you listeners to get to know these ladies and for you to want to learn more. But like what we say in our show, if you have questions or comments about the ladies, you should send us a message and we can get back to you. Are you ever surprised about how recent some of your stories are? Yes and no. When I think about women in general history, it doesn't surprise me that most of the stories we talk about are the women in the last century. Yet it always is still shocking that women who were working and alive during our lifetime were having to force their way into the profession and pave the way for us. I mean, even going back to the statistics of women licensed architects in the U.S., you can see it right there in the numbers. Mm -hmm. All right. Next question. You talk a lot about rich white ladies. Do you know if their families were slave owners? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, depending on the time period and their locations in the U.S., there's some assumptions we can make, but I didn't find any information discussing that any of my ladies were slave owners. Did you guys? No, I didn't either. At the same time, that doesn't mean that their families never did throughout history. I mean, I didn't find anything about like immediate families. But we know that since they mostly came from very wealthy families, that they for sure had servants or help around the house and that kind of thing. Okay, next question. How has the AEC community received the podcast? What have been the comments and reactions? What's been interesting to me is the reaction from the non-architects. Like, for example, my cousin. Shout out to Emma. She's a loyal listener from day one. Um, She is not in this field, the AAC field, but she is in the film industry where it's also very male dominated. So starting from episode one, she could relate to the frustrations that these women must have felt. Yeah, the reactions on social media have been a lot of fun, too. We've received welcoming comments from people in the podcast world. We were guests on Entree Architect. It's a podcast. And a couple of other podcasts have retweeted us, which has been super, super encouraging. Yeah. yeah. And a couple of our karyotids have actually reached out to us and spread the word, which is really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and people saying that our that they like our chemistry is really nice, too. Yeah. Oh, and I don't know if I told you guys that my friend that told me that we couldn't have a show about women architects because there weren't enough of them. Right. He's one of our biggest fans now, and he listens to us every week. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so we've we've changed some minds. That's Love really it. Cool. At least the mind that started it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, friend. I won't say your name, but thank you. <laughs> and there have been comments that have made us rethink our experience in architecture school. Like that one from the Virginia Tech alum. Right. So after our Milka episode, we heard from a Virginia Tech building construction alum who told us that even as a student at Virginia Tech in an AEC major, she didn't know that the IAWA existed. How can that be? Yeah. I mean, that's wild to me. Number one, that even their own students don't know that this archive is a resource that they can use. Number two, it brings up another issue that various majors connected to the construction industry don't seem to interact a lot with each other. I know that we felt that in school. I mean, the College of Engineering building was technically connected to the architecture building, but curriculum wise was pretty separate from us. I think we only had one class where a few engineering students were in with us. And 
I'm not sure if that's true at other universities, but I know it was true for us. And it sounds like it was true at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Outside of school, I just think as it's an AEC profession. So like as architects, we work with engineers and contractors, but you would think that in school they would teach us how to interact with these people. So it's crazy that as a building construction alum, she didn't have that experience either. Yeah. Oh, another really cool thing that happened was we got an email from the publisher of a book called All About Julia Morgan, telling us how much they liked the podcast and about the book. And then he sent us the book and it's so nice. It's a book for young readers, like 10 years and up. And it's really informative. And I learned things that I was like, oh, man, I wish I would have known this and talked about it on the podcast. It's a good book. Yeah, it really got me excited. Like, I wish I could see books like this for all of the ladies. Mm -hmm. um, it had pictures. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, we'll include a link to it on our show notes. And they even have a teacher's guide with questions that teachers could ask kids. We'll include that in the show notes and the links, too. All right. Last listener question. Are there any comments that you want to elaborate on that you might have said throughout the season? One thing that we talked about during the Louise episode was apprenticeship versus school and how before NCARB and regulation of licensing in schools, you could study under an architect instead of going to architecture school. And we mentioned in the episode that some states still have that route as an option. But the question that came up was, what if apprenticeship were more widely an option today? I guess the argument against apprenticeship is that it could be hard to regulate and to know that people are learning a certain level of material and having enough experience. And the argument for school is that it puts everyone, women and men, on an even playing field coming out of the program. However, it would probably still be harder for women to get their foot in the door and be hired as an apprentice. Yes. When I start to think about apprenticeship today, I think we could probably refer to it as mentorship. And with mentorship, this can help anyone in the field, right? But if you look at the research out there, you can find that something like mentorship can be seldom found with women and people of color. So, for example, if you ask a group of young architects, do you or have you had a mentor? The majority of the group that would say yes would be primarily male and most likely they would all be white male at that. And then the group that would say no would most likely be women and people of color. So if today apprenticeship was the only option, what would that mean for the equity of the profession? Right. I think it would be really tough for women to get in the door through apprenticeships. However, school can also be a huge barrier for people. I mean, the cost getting in, especially for underrepresented groups and architecture schools are generally not all, but generally pretty 50 50 when it comes to gender. So then I guess the evening the playing field argument could apply. But we know that's not true racially or socioeconomically. Yeah, I would totally agree with all of that, Lizzie. Um, so, Najidi, what was something that you wanted to further elaborate on? So for me, something I wanted to add was that after episode one aired, I regretted not talking more about my karyotid, Lori Brown. I mentioned that it was one of my worst studios and that it wasn't her fault, but I didn't talk about what a good professor she really was. At first, I was scared of her, 
But then I learned that she really wanted all of us to succeed and she helped any way she could and she was stern but fair. During my final review, I was so sleep deprived, I couldn't remember which way was north on my own (laughs) project. And she practically presented for me, like reminded me things that I knew. Well, things that she knew that I knew, but I have forgotten because I hadn't slept. I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) I could barely say my own name. She had to tell the jury my name. (laughs) And now everybody knows. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I get a little embarrassed when I think about that semester. But I'll never forget that she was a really good professor. She was really thought provoking and she was a good person. Marjorie, was that the year that we spent a week in the computer lab? I just remember being glued to those computers nonstop. Yes, it was that year. We didn't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, final thoughts. What are we looking forward to about season two? I am super excited about season two because, spoiler alert, (gasps) we're (laughs) planning... We're planning to focus the entire season on international women, and I can't wait to branch out beyond the U.S. and learn about women from different cultures and see what they worked on. Yes, I am so excited for these international women. So far, we've been finding some really cool stuff. I'm excited to gain more listeners. Um, I've been really excited to see other people's reactions so far um, and for us to continue growing. And I'm excited to see you all react when the new episode airs. Yes. Okay. So, Nurjuri, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Yes. I realized that the three of us became architects for a lot of reasons, but one very important one was because someone said we could. My hope for this podcast is that these stories serve as that push for anyone out there thinking they maybe can do it. You can be an architect, an engineer, a contractor a landscape architect, a theorist, an urban planner, anything. You definitely can. Women have been doing it through history and today. When I'm studying for the ARES and I fail the practice exam again, and I really want to give up, I remember Norma, Julia, Beverly, Georgia, Louise. They faced larger adversity than me, and they became licensed. They inspire me to keep studying and to keep going. I hope we're making a difference in girls' and women's lives by reminding them that they have a support system. We're rooting for you. You can do it. Yeah! Yeah. Well, we've made it to the end of season one. Thank you, listeners, for going on this journey with us. And we can't wait to come back and share new stories with you. We'll hear from you soon. So please let us know what you thought of our episode and the season. If you've enjoyed this season, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, give us five stars on iTunes, write us a review. This will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We are excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at SheBuildsPodcast and on Twitter at SheBuildsPod. We're going on a short break while we develop season two and we'll be back in November.
This is a great time for you to tell your friends about this first season, re-listen to your favorite episodes, and start conversations about everyone you've heard about. So this is not goodbye, just to see you later. Until season two. Bye! Also, I read that she might have been a spy. That's so cool. What did she do as a spy? Was it during the war? Well, she was allegedly a spy. If there was confirmation or we knew what she did, she wouldn't be a very great spy. I suppose that's true. But I mean, now in my eyes, she will always be a spy. Jane drew the spy. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.